compromise. You give a little, I'll give a little. Come on, let's get together. That's it! Hello, Big D's. It's your host, Miranda. This episode is short and sweet. Very sweet and sincere. This is Brit's story, the parent trap in real life. This is the real shit twist of life and love. I want to give a shout out to Matinee Podcast, who I did a crossover episode with last season where we did a deep dive into divorce movies. Think Kramer versus Kramer, how Stella got her groove back. They have an episode coming out soon on The Parent Trap. We didn't plan this, but I have to say, this is fate. If you love movies, check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Matinee Podcast. In this episode, I interview my friend Britt. We're using a pseudonym. She's a community organizer, dog mom, wannabe kid detective. Okay, to be honest, an actual kid detective. By cyclist who loves her friends. My parents have been married for 35 years, so I don't know what it's like to be a child of divorce. I live vicariously through my friends. <laughs> a lot of them still talk about the impacts of it in their adult lives. Brit's story, though, it's unique. I want to cut right to the chase and introduce you to her. Hey, Brit. Hi. How are you? I'm nervous. Oh, that's good. Do you think you can transform that nervous energy into storytelling energy? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay, great. Um, I'm super excited to talk to you. And I've had this episode on my like narrative arc for the season for months and months. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to bury the lead intentionally for a while here. Uh, so the first question is my standard one, though. Uh, what is our meet cute? Ooh. So I think of our meet cute as um, you and I had met a couple times, but we didn't really have like a relationship. Mm-hmm. And you and I at the time were both working sort of like fundraising adjacent um, jobs. And you suggested we go out for dinner and talk about this, like, grant proposal that you were going to help me out on. And I think, like, it was kind of like a working dinner-ish, but it was also, like, let's see if we could be friends. Yeah. (laughs) So we went out to this taco place, and we were both kind of, like, formal and a little shy and talked about work. And and then the dinner ended, and then so we kind of started walking. We're like, all right, you know, good night, good night. Like, I think I was like, I'll walk you to the subway. And we passed by this rib house along the way. And you were like, have you ever been here? And I was like, no. And you're like, oh, it's amazing. And it's kind of like outdoors. And they bring you blankets and they have a big fire and they have ribs and they have really good cornbread. And I was like, oh, I love cornbread. And, and ribs. And ribs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fun fact about me, I love ribs. <laughs> so we kind of like looked at each other mischievously and we were like, should we go in? 
And then we went in and we had a whole second dinner. Yeah. And it was sort of so off script that I feel like it. we both like totally relaxed yeah. and got kind of silly and intimate. And from then on, we were friends. That's true. Yeah. Is that how you remember it? Yeah, that is how I remember it. Yeah. I can't believe we had a whole second dinner. <laughs> but also, I, I mean, can. I can... I can believe that I had a second dinner. Yeah. I can put it away, but yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, um one of your favorite movies of all time is The Parent Trap. Yep. Why do you love The Parent Trap so much? <laughs> so, the first question people always ask me is which one? The Lindsay Ooh. Lohan Parent Trap or the Haley Mills Parent Trap? And I got to tell you, I love both equally. Okay. They're well, both very right. good. I love it. You know, when I was a kid, I think it tapped into a lot of the really fun kind of mischievous um, fantasies for a little girl, right? Like these girls are at camp. They're getting up to hijinks. You know, they're smart. They're like smarter than the adults. I think that that was like really, um, that was definitely like the type of movies and books that I really gravitated towards as a kid. Um and then they were twins, so it was double trouble, and I definitely fantasized about being a twin mm-hmm. so we could get up to the hijinks together and just have that intimate bond with someone else. So put that all together. Great acting by both Lindsay Lohan and Haley Mills. And you got yourself a great movie. What can I say? I love it. When did you <laughs> first watch The Parent Trap and which one was it? So the first one I watched was the Haley Mills one. I was probably eight and my parents were having a dinner party that night. And we went to the movie store beforehand so that I could watch a movie, you know, while my parents were having a movie store, a dinner party. And um, I guess one of my dad's friends came with us to the video store. And I wanted to take out It Takes Two, which is kind of a similar Prince and the Popper kind of story with the Olsen twins, but it was out. And my dad's friend said, well, if you like that kind of story, you got to see the Haley Mills Parrot Trap. And I watched it and I completely fell in love. And then about a year later, the Lindsay Lohan version came out. I remember going with my mom and my best friend and my best friend's mom to the movie theater and watching that movie, and my life was, like, changed. <laughs> Your life was changed. That's incredible. Uh, yeah. That's incredible. Uh, do you have a pitch to the listeners on why they should watch it if they haven't? Yeah, I'll pitch the Haley Mills version, because you've probably seen the Lindsay Lohan yeah, version. Yeah, I've only seen the Lindsay Lohan version. Yeah, the Haley Mills version is excellent. Um... And it is much more about the relationship between the parents. Hmm. You spend a lot more time with the parents who, you know, divorced 12 years ago and see them fight. But through seeing them fight, you see a lot of their passion. You see why maybe they split the first time, but how they're so clearly still burning a candle for one another. Oh, it's really sweet. And the man who plays the dad is super handsome. The woman who plays the mom is so beautiful. You know, this is like 1960s Hollywood cinema. It is so great. And it's excellent. So highly recommend. Ooh. Okay. 
I will put it on soon. Okay. <laughs> That's my commitment. Okay. Soon. Um, okay. So you have a divorce story. Mm-hmm. It's a child of divorce story. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I am going to pass the mic to you and you can tell it however you want. Well, thanks for having me, Miranda. So the great irony of my life is that my favorite movie of all time is The Parent Trap. (laughs) And I never expected that my parents would parent trap themselves. But there you go. I've buried the lead. That's the story. So I am the child of divorce, and I'm also the child of reunification. And it's kind of a... Oh, oh, funny lens on which to view, I guess, marriage and divorce and relationships. You know, when I was a kid, I was so obsessed with the parent trap that sometimes I would fantasize about what it would be like if my parents got married, uh, got divorced, rather. But when it finally happened, it was, uh, yeah, not fun and games, as it turns out. So I remember I was 16 years old. We had just come back from a family vacation, actually, and um, my it was a Sunday afternoon, my parents, you know, called my brothers and I to to come sit down in the family room to have a, a family meeting, and they said, um, "We're not going to try and make this marriage work anymore, effectively," and sort of launched the plans. You know, dad's going to move into the basement for now. In two weeks, he's going to move into an apartment. You're going to sort of go back and forth. I don't know. They just kind of immediately launched into the logistics. And I definitely remember feeling like my world was was ending. <sighs> yeah. In the next few months, it was it was pretty sad. Um, I remember just watching my mom just like get in bed and watch movies for days and days and days probably a couple weeks and um very quickly my parents decided to sell our house and so we were quickly launched into this sort of additional chaos of staging a house and then having to be outside of our house for a couple weeks and then suddenly we were moving to a new neighborhood and my dad was living in this apartment that they could call like the lonely man apartment. And and we would go over on Thursday nights to watch 24 with him. But <laughs> but it was pretty bleak. It was a pretty bleak time. So that's sort of how it began. And that's kind of how I finished off my my teenage years in high school. And I started to get older and I went on to university and, you know, that kind of bleakness started to shift, if you will. My parents both began to settle into their new lives and started to grow, I think, in different ways. And I was becoming an adult and I was definitely becoming each of my parents' confidant, (laughs) which I guess is like, eldest child syndrome because I have two younger brothers who you know I guess weren't quite as emotionally available as I was um I didn't love being a confidant 
there were some really uncomfortable times that I learned more about my parents' relationship and divorce than I wanted to. And I didn't find that fair, but that was my role. But over time, it kind of started to become more normal. You know, I I lived in another city for university and I didn't come back to that often, sort of just Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. And it would be very, very difficult when I would come back from university. I would, I would for days, for weeks, I would be dreading it because I knew that I would have to be negotiating time spent with each of my parents when really what I wanted to be doing was, you know, hanging out with my, with my friends in in town (laughs) or my boyfriends or whomever else. Like I felt like it was an undue amount of stress to be constantly just managing time between my parents. But like I said, eventually it did start to become easier. Each of my parents started dating a pretty serious partner and really, really great partners. And yeah, they were kind of becoming better people in many ways. So as I was growing into an adult, I was, yeah, building these really sort of adult relationships with each of my parents. And then even on their own, I remember like, you know, my mom for her 50th birthday, she got a designer and she kind of like reinvigorated her wardrobe. Like I really felt like she became about 10 years younger. She started going out dancing with her other single friends. I think one time they even went on like a singles cruise and they just thought it was the funniest thing ever. She was sort of building this community and and both of my parents seemed to uh, be happier and, and be better people. And I guess for me, there was like a shift at some point when I realized that you know, as hard as the first few years had been, I was actually pro-divorce. I remember I was in my early 20s and I was um, talking to a, a coworker who is um, a West African Christian guy, very hardcore family values. And he was sort of talking about marriage and defending marriage and you have to stick it out and you take a vow. And I said, no. I don't see it that way. I think that your responsibility is to be, you know, the best versions of yourselves. And if you can't do that together, then you have to find a way to, to, to be good people, you know? And I think I defend divorce. Like, I think I support divorce. I understand, I understand why it's important for, you know, parents or for, for other adults. So that's kind of where I landed in my early 20s, pro-divorce. And that would be a really great place to end the story and we could just go into, you know, being pro-divorce. So the story doesn't end there. About five years ago, my parents both became single. They had both broken up with those really great long-term partners that they had been with, people who I came to see as sort of a stepmother and a stepfather. They became single around the same time. And (laughs) at one point I saw printed off my father's computer, some love poems that he had written, super cringe. And I just had this weird feeling. I just had this weird feeling. And I didn't do anything with it. I sat and I waited. And one day about five years ago, I was house sitting for my mom with my boyfriend and An important thing you should know about my mom is she does not enjoy watching with closed captions. That's something you should 
know about my dad is he loves watching TV with closed captions. So we're house sitting and my boyfriend at the time turns on the TV and I come downstairs and I go, why are you watching with closed captions? And he looks at me deadpan and goes, I didn't turn on the closed captions. (laughs) And at that moment, we realized my dad had been watching TV in my mom's house and they were probably secretly dating. A few weeks later, um, my mom and my dad sat me down, you know, another family meeting, and it was confirmed. They were dating. They were getting back together 10 years after initially separating to entirely different people in my view they were getting back together reaffirming their commitments to each other their vows to each other and the rest is happily ever after i love this story so much why do you love it so much oh um because it's so silly like (laughs) not them getting back together but how you found out and the clues that you found along the way like your parents thought that they could hide it from you um from me how dare they don't they know that my favorite movies are you know those of little girls being detectives and other problem solvers exactly i think it's very romantic too it's such a rare story i think Mm -hmm. if people are going to get back together they usually do it fairly quickly but this was how many years eight years separated yeah, almost a decade, yeah. Yeah. So y- you talked about becoming pro-divorce in your 20s. But what was the emotional impact for you at age 15? It was... Uh, yeah, it was hard. I, f- I feel like there were a few of those really classic indicators of a teenager acting out. You know, my, my grades immediately dropped for a few months. I started partying really hard. Just a few of those kind of classic indicators. And I felt, I really felt like my parents had let me down. Mm. By one of my parents in particular, I felt like I, I didn't even know these people anymore and so I guess I acted out in kind of predictable teenager ways so it was hard and I also you know weirdly got closer and more distant with my siblings at the same time we were closer because we were kind of going through this the shared experience of you know going over to dad's on Thursday night to watch 24 and just sort of how miserable But we also grew more distant. I think we all sort of retreated into ourselves as we dealt with the pain of of this divorce. So, yeah, it definitely was hard at first. But, you know, I got over it. You know, I started to really enjoy the parents, the people my parents were becoming. Mm, I love that. Can you give a description of your parents pre and post divorce? Like who were the people that they were becoming that you loved? I think that for a few years pre-divorce, my parents were just extremely stressed out, distant people. Hmm. You know, I have very happy childhood memories and I have lots of memories of my parents laughing and having lots of friends around and being silly 
But then for the last few years before they separated, I can only really remember them as very stressed out people that I wasn't that close with who, you know, kind of easily snapped and 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 that's kind of who they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, about a year or two years maybe after the divorce, I could start to say that they were becoming the fun people again that I had known when I was a child. Mm each of them in their own ways, but getting, I think, closer to, yeah, to those sort of silly, easygoing, fun-loving parents that I remember from when I was younger. Yeah. How has their separation and reunification impacted how you see long-term relationships? Yeah, it's hard. And I think I'm even still sorting it out. So it's, it's, um, it's a good question. What's the journey? Yeah. So, you know, I think that having my parents get divorced at 16 did not affect my view of relationships too much. Mm. You know, over the next several years, I had a few really incredible, loving, secure relationships. And I was in one, a long-term one, when we discovered that my parents were secretly dating and then were getting back together. Mm-hmm. And I would say, so that was about five years ago. And I would say that in the ensuing year, it started to really make it difficult for me to see myself as someone who could stay committed to a long-term relationship. And it definitely negatively impacted the relationship I was in. I found it harder and harder to sort of know. Like, I felt like I didn't have role models, I guess. Mm. I felt like this is such an anomalous case that I don't have role models to make sense of how I will be in a long-term relationship. Mm. When I think ahead to my future, I can only think ahead to those sort of distant stressed out parents who were on the verge of a separation yeah so it really affected my relationship then and then after a while I decided that I didn't want to get married I don't feel that way anymore but I did for for a while and I think that I've really had to go and find other sort of role models of long-term relationships that are a little more stable and predictable in order to be able to imagine myself being in one. Hmm. Yeah. Why would you decide to get married now? <laughs> um, so one of my parents was the one who made the decision to leave the relationship. And I felt really betrayed by that. And this parent and I, like my entire life, people have said, you know, you were exactly like them. And I believe that to be true as well. Mm-hmm. So I really sort of projected these feelings onto, you know, I am exactly the same as this parent and I won't be able to commit until I, you know, I want someone back. Like I had this really sort of negative projection. Hmm. And I think as I'm getting older, I'm realizing like, no, I'm my old, I'm my own person. I don't need to sort of follow in the messy footsteps of my parent just because we have similar traits. 
So I'm getting back to a place now where I, yeah, I think trust myself more. That's awesome. Yeah. That's such a good feeling. Yeah. Um, so what is your relationship like now with your ex-step parents? Yeah. So the ex-step father, bless him, sort of disappeared from the scene when my parents got back together. Mm-hmm. I think he also probably felt a little betrayed and was like, what was this going on sort of deep down inside of you the whole time we were together? I don't know. That's a projection. Um, my, ex-stepmother. <laughs> my ex-stepmother, however, um, was a bit more like, oh, your parents are getting back to the other. That's great. Good for them. I'm going to go live my own life over here. And she and I... And her kids, who I consider my step-siblings, have stayed really close. We've sort of always had, you know, my step-siblings and me and my siblings have sort of always had a really great connection. And my stepmother really takes care of us all. And we have a lot, a lot of fun together. We just really enjoy each other's company so much that... It was not really an option to to stop having a relationship. So it's funny because in some ways I still think of myself as a child of divorce because in some ways my life is still operates that way. Like yeah, you know, over Thanksgiving weekend, for example, it's like I'll have Thanksgiving dinner with my family number one, which is my biological mother, my biological father. <laughs> and then I'll have Thanksgiving dinner with my family number two, which is my stepmother and my step-siblings. So I still find myself kind of like negotiating that, yeah, like duplicate, duplication that you are in when you are a child of divorce. It's kind of funny, but we make it work. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And especially since so many of the tropes that we see and hear of stepmothers are so horrific and misogynist being able to witness a little bit of your bond with her is so special has it changed how you perceive family totally totally i think it's really you know it embodies chosen family for me My stepmom is a special person in that she takes in people who don't have anywhere else to go. So dinner at her house could include, you know, the child of a friend who just moved here from another province. It can include the trans schoolmate of one of her kids who has been kicked out of their house Mm -hmm. it can include so many different people and we all sort of choose to to be together and have the safe place to to be together once a week that it has completely fundamentally changed how I see my own future you know having a family Mm. I think um yeah, yeah, it really does because there aren't any limitations around blood mm. on this family. 
And as a result, you, it's just much more inclusive and it sort of builds the community with your family. And that's sort of the, the, the life that I want for myself. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that we bond over. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we can, <laughs> we can do that, you know, together and side by side. It's not always obvious or, or easy. No. Um, you know, when, when like so many of our social structures are framed to have, you know, just like a nuclear family, mm-hmm. having a family where one child is ceremoniously adopted and you know, one cousin comes to stay for a couple years and, you know, it's just yeah. more of a, of an open door. Yeah. yeah. And there also aren't a lot of role models for that, um, uh, outside of queer communities. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So back to your parents, why do you think they got back together? Do you know? I don't know. <laughs> tell you that <laughs> I can answer the question cynically. I can answer the question romantically. I can answer it as a cold-hearted stooge. <laughs> that was never made clear to me. And I think that had it been, it would have been less of a shock to find out that they were getting back together, you know? Mm. Uh, but I remember a, a year or so later, I was chatting with a cousin and she was like, oh, aren't you so happy your parents got to be- got back together? Of course they did. They're meant to be together. They're soulmates. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> she was like, yeah, your parents are soulmates. And I was like, oh, that's a good take. I like that take. Okay, okay. Um, weirdly, I... I had a, a friend at that time whose whose parent whose mother had gone to university with my parents and said the exact same thing said yeah you know those two they were clearly soulmates when they were in university and when I heard that it was like okay wow I there's something here that I haven't fully appreciated mm. you know I think like another way to look at it would be they're getting old and they want company, but I don't think it's that. I do think it's that they, you know, they may sometimes bring out difficult qualities in one another, but they definitely have like a shared language, a shared history, a shared orientation in the world that is unique to them. And I see why they, they weren't entirely satisfied with anyone else. Yeah. I definitely look at your parents as you know, iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. And iron is hard, but <laughs> together, sharp. I don't know anything about metal, so I can't extend <laughs> this metaphor, but it's it's there in my brain that this metaphor works. Um, totally. I, I think I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. So how come your family doesn't talk about it then? Like, why wasn't it explained to you? How do you still not know? I think it's kind of awkward. It's sort of this weird, awkward thing. We tend not to refer that often to the decade in which my parents were apart. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Even though my stepmom isn't in my life, it's more like she's like an aunt who is, you know, mine and my siblings and, and doesn't really have a relationship with my parents. Yeah. So it, it is kind of awkward. You know, when my parents first told us that they were getting back together, we, the kids, did not react very well. You know, like I said earlier, we had seen these adults, these these people who who had grown into you know, really great individual adults. And I think that we feared that if they got back together, it would come crumbling down. All that work they had done on themselves would come crumbling down. So we didn't react that well, that nicely. And I think that really hurt my parents. And I think that has set a precedent that we just kind of don't entirely talk about it anymore. I would love, you know, for you to ask this question in a year and have to have made progress on that. But for now, it's sort of one of those family things that's kind of just swept under the rug. Hmm. So you, I'm guessing you don't know what their legal status is? <laughs> we assume they're married. Okay, cool. And also, as they get older, they're going to, you know, have to retire and then I guess they'll have to be married. But it is true that I do not know. Does it matter to you at all or your siblings? Not really. Yeah. Like, you know, what is marriage on paper, but paper? You have to say something very cynical. And then I remembered this is a pro-love podcast. <laughs> I mean, give it to me. I was just going to say, you know, what is marriage, but a tax arrangement. Yeah. But I don't entirely believe that. But when you get back together and recommit, yourselves to one another it's kind of like you know meh, what's the point in the paper yeah okay so the question i really just want to ask is do you think that your parents should be together yes i do i do even though i really liked the people who they were when they were apart it sort of feels like bigger than me, a bit like fate, I guess, that they were meant to be together and to die together. And and I just have to trust fate on that one. Thank you, my darling Brett for sharing this piece of your love life with me and all the D's. It's such a wonderful, honest story. Thank you to my kick-ass patrons on Patreon, Dana, Rachel, Sophie, Greta, Jillian, Naomi, Bailey, Danielle, Cody, Nadine, Deanna. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're the biggest D's. The biggest, hardest D's. <laughs> I can't do it. You too can get a shout out on an episode by becoming a Patreon member. Check out the link in the show notes. You can join for $5, $10, or 25 bucks a month, and there are all sorts of perks. This helps cover the cost of my subscriptions for editing, some marketing, and maybe some of my time too. Credit for writing 
production, editing, mixing, etc. It all goes to me, your host, Miranda. Credit for the original podcast music goes to singer-songwriter Posey. In between episodes, join the growing community of Ds on Patreon or on Instagram at Big D Pod. Please help me fight the algorithm, which really swallows up creators like me and makes it hard to be seen and heard. Sharing episodes, posts, saving them, liking them, forwarding them, it actually makes a huge difference. Thank you, finally, and always to my friends who believed I could and can, so I did and I do.